Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. In the studio, it's myself, the captain. And Peakless Mountaineer. It looks like we have TJ the Spy calling in. TJ, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Captain Kickass, and I says that's Peakless Mountaineer I hear in the background there. That's right. Welcome. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's good to good to be on, and I was just uh, calling because I was looking at Recap today, which is Pacers spelled backwards, <laughs> right. that uh, has all the court documents for Ian's case, and particularly the Shire Free Church Manadnock versus Scott Bailey case, where the Shire Free Church is suing to get its stolen property back from right. the FBI. Right. And they just, it was like two days ago, filed a discovery plan, and I thought, you know, this is absurd, an eight-page discovery plan, and then the... And uh, the, for our uh, listeners who might be lucky enough not to deal with court, what is a discovery plan? A discovery plan is when you sue somebody, you then ask for discovery, and discovery is your right to see all the evidence that the government plans to possibly use. It doesn't mean they will use it, but it's a plan that they possibly will use against you in court. Right. And so in this particular case, it would be a list of, you know, it's a list of all the files and documents on the computers and uh, forensic analysis of it and anything that may have been taken uh, part of it. But like, it's really fascinating read, but it's just, it's like, wow, eight pages of lawyerese. Oh to boy! Get your stuff back. It's uh, you're well, a better I man than I for like back. reading that. Like I, <laughs> I, I so cannot stand legalese, man. It's just so. Uh... Well, mine, you know, my lawsuit was kind of entertaining. So I would say things like the plaintiff stripped naked to avoid being shot by the defendant FBI agents, <laughs> and so that was that was actually a direct quote in my lawsuit against the FBI. I love it uh, when I sued them to get my property back. And they said, we want to search your property and make sure there's no contraband. And I said, well, your search warrant's not valid. So without a valid search warrant, what you did was take my property. By the way, I'm totally innocent. Not that anybody cares. Right. But it's like, oh, Jesus, they wanted to. Oh, yeah. We were supposed to pretend you were innocent till proven guilty. Yeah, they never did. Yeah. They never. Oh, gosh, we were mistreated uh, royally. And Ian doesn't. He has this feng shui. Uh, Nirvana, some kind of peaceful within. Yeah, he's like but a like a Buddhist you, monk or something. I don't I don't mm-hmm. understand how he does it. <laughs> yeah, but it's not an arrest. It's a spiritual retreat. It's fine. <laughs> I think you called in to like give us the update on what you read. So go ahead. Oh yeah, that was what I was calling. You know, the people can read all about it. You know, it's it's just kind of odd. Seven years after the seizure the government is still fighting like it's like these old computers and i told ian ian for pr sake you need to sue the fbi on behalf of the shire free church Manadnock, whatever to you know get your stuff back because you were robbed i mean we were all robbed and actually that reminds me of a ghost story so james and i were upstairs in the bathroom there in the studio you know and uh on this was may 20th 2016 okay and we were, I was, I was asking God in the form of the shower head. Cause I was, you know, on LSD and MDMA. <laughs> and so, I, you know, anywho, I was asking God for a sign. Is this the guy I'm supposed to be married to? And so 
uh, Alan Bruce Carroll, who is an FBI agent, he appeared to me as a ghost, and he said, hey, Dan, look out this window. I looked out the window, and there were 15 FBI agents oh, coming through, you know, coming towards the front door. And I said, honey, I think we're about to get raided. And he looked at me and said, what did you do? And I said, honey, <laughs> give me some credit. Honey, give me some credit. If I had done something, the FBI wouldn't be here. I did work for the National Security Agency, so I do know a thing or two about what not to do. And so it was just this very bizarre, like, you know, we had like a minute and 30 seconds and you fall back on your training. So for me, it was like, okay, computers locked down, anything that's uh, incriminating flushed down the toilet. Sure, yeah. And then, um, you know, bang, 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 we're coming in. Here we are, FBI. And, you know, four hours it took them. So I estimate about 60 agent hours. There were 15 of them. And they had to go through each room by room looking for evidence and seizing it and photographing it. And I just thought, this is a huge expenditure of resources. And to get it back, instead of just handing it back, I had to write a six-page essay called a motion for equitable relief and pay $400 to the men in the black robes. And all of a sudden the FBI said, we'll give you your property back if you disagree to dismiss your lawsuit against us. So (laughs) I see what you're saying, right? Yeah. If there's some other, there's just something else sort of coming their way, they have to consider it. If you ask any of the any of the jailers, they will tell you, no, they don't treat them like they're innocent, even though they are pre-trial. Yeah. And so I just said, well, it, and, and it's it's like, a you know, a prosecution is like a train uh, or a tornado. It gets sucked up like, you know, when the FBI or not the FBI, but when the postal inspectors subpoenaed James and me in the crypto six trial, mm-hmm. we both had to hire lawyers mm-hmm. and that was 10, you know, five grand a pop. Right. And so it was like, you know, us. Oh, so it's like. I, I love Ian and I appreciate what he does, but sometimes what he does, it costs, you know, lawyer fees for the, un, you know, it's like, I didn't even do anything. And so. Right. Yeah. Like, like the fallout of uh, the tyrants persecuting somebody like Ian uh, is far greater than just, you know, the target, right? Mm-hmm. It, it affects other people because other people are forced to conform to the demands of the state. Mm-hmm. And in no way, shape, or form is that right on any level. No. Now, the state should not be punishing people who haven't been proven guilty of anything, but that is absolutely the way that they operate. And yet, they will convince you that, oh, no, this is a place where we believe in innocent until proven guilty, when all of the evidence yes, is in and, the opposite direction. Yes. And, you know, it's a thing where I said, well, Hopefully, uh, Mr. Sisti can make a few jokes. Like, thankfully, there are no victims here in this particular Crypto 6 case. Hmm. You know, that's going to (laughs) be... Right, yeah. Yeah, isn't that great? Because it's like, oh, well, you defrauded this bank. Oh, so it's the bank that is upset. No, we, your owners, are upset that you defrauded the bank that we also own. Yeah, even though they've already said there's, there's no victims. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things. It's like, well, I, I've, you know, had to I've been charged with money laundering before, not federally, but state level. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things. It's like this is a bunch of BS, but it's one of those things they can 
charge you with. Yeah. And really, it has a lot of legal teeth. And they can say, ha, huh, you accepted the – like, you know, if I would have known that Ian Freeman was engaged in whatever Bitcoin transfers and if I accepted Bitcoin from him, I could be in trouble. If I knowingly accepted Bitcoin from shady proceeds, that's what money laundering does. Is it turns money into a weapon. Well, and, and so people who right. interact with illegal money can get really serious prison time, much more serious and, than the original criminals. And the question, of course, is, you know, what is money? Right. And what is Bitcoin? Like even the government, there's different uh, elements of government that have different definitions. Mm -hmm. Like the SEC thinks it's one thing. Right. The FBI thinks it's another thing. We talked a little bit last night about this FTX debacle. Uh, if you're not familiar with what that is, there is a cryptocurrency exchange that sort of was, yeah, that sort of rose out of, well, nowhere. I mean, pretty fast rise to you know, become one of the more prominent, if you will. Uh, Run by a very connected young man. Yes. Uh, exchange. And uh, they've gone to you, belly up. They've uh, lost uh, the, to the tune something like $30, 32000000000 billion in value. And uh, it's it's a big story right now in the cryptocurrency world. Feel free to, you know, look into it yourself a bit more. The update that I heard today, and I don't have anything, you know, solid to reference it. So if you know more than I do, please give us a call at 603-283-6160. But the latest I heard was that, yeah, they, they lost a whole bunch of value. Because of how they were, they were sort of like taking loans out against their own cryptocurrency, and so that blew up in their face. Uh, and so now, even though they've lost billions of dollars in value for themselves and their uh, holders, anybody who had an account on their exchange, anybody who invested using them as the platform of choice for their investments, and didn't you know, and left their keys on the exchange, uh, have been wiped out literally. But on top of that, apparently, whatever's left is also being stolen. Hmm. So, like, there's a little bit of crypto left on the exchange, and, like, somehow, you know, the, the thought is that it might be an inside job. Maybe it's the guy himself. You know, n no one seems to be able to decipher what's going on. But it appears that whatever cryptocurrency is left is sort of going somewhere else. Mm. And and that's all I saw, like, moments before we started this show. I saw that. I didn't have a chance to research it or look into it, but uh, I just wanted to mention that because we talked about it last night. And I know, Peakless, you haven't had a chance to mention it at all. Oh, yeah. So um, first and foremost, just as a general frame for this, uh, as I see it, this is someone who has called for regulation since the beginning, finding a new way to call for regulation. It leaked what their what the company's balance sheet was. So, like, which properties they held uh, and, and how much of them. And it turns out that something like two-thirds of all of their holdings was the, uh, the uh, cryptocurrency uh, token that they themselves had created. Yep. And what's even worse is that their holdings of it was greater than the entire market cap. So they absolutely lied about how many of these tokens existed, and they were actually just holding back more than the rest of the market. And most of their holdings was in this thing that they had printed out of nowhere. 
So when that leaked, everyone starts selling this. And uh, uh, Binance, who's their uh, uh, probably chief competitor, since it's, uh, as I understand it, the first and second uh, major exchanges, although FTX might be third, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But so Binance gets on Twitter and says, uh, hey, we will, uh, and, you know, blows the lid off of this thing and says, hey, we are selling all of our all of our uh, FTT token, which is the FTX uh, uh, governance token thing. And so. FTX starts freaking out and uh, trying to prop up the price of it, and they ended up accidentally acting against their own best interests because they get on Twitter and they're like, hey, CZ, we will totally buy all of that at $22. Right, which, of course, did not happen. Like, Binance did not go through with the purchase because as soon as they looked into the situation, they were like, ah, no, something's going on. Oh, these are two different things. I'm talking about the beginning. You're talking about the ending. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. So, yeah, at the beginning... uh, Binance says, yeah, we are out of this. And, of course, the rest of the market goes, ooh, so this is trash. We better get out, too. Right. So they're spending all their own currency to uh, the company, that is. FTX company is spending all of their own resources to try and prop that back up. Right. Uh, Thing is, they got on Twitter and said, hey, we will totally buy that from you at $22 so that it doesn't upset the market. Uh, thing is, that means that the, everyone else knows exactly what level you are propping it up at. Right. So they know what level will ruin you. So everyone just sells faster and harder. They're like, oh, as right. soon as this gets below $22, that's when it's going to the floor. Right. So they did. And as a result of this, all of this information is coming out because they had to declare bankruptcy. And holy crap. So... uh I would just like to say that uh, SBF turned out to be effing BS. Um, <laughs> yes. Bankman got fried. Yeah, his name is Bankman. Bankman fried. We have Monkey calling from Tennessee. Monkey, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Uh, you know, I'm getting so sick of hearing about the Fed just doing whatever the hell the heck they want. And uh, there's actually a uh, provision, U.S. Code 18, Section 242, violation of rights under color of law mm-hmm. is a felony with a 10-year provision for those uh, breaking it. And you see all these people like General Mike Flynn and the guys up in uh, D.C. that have been held indeterminately yeah. in their uh, little gulag they've got going, and the judge just admitting in open courtroom, yeah, we're going to forget about your rights for just a little bit longer. And uh, nobody has ever charged with this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's just really, well, really so, sad that nobody knows about this. Well, so I've looked into this a bit. And uh, so, uh, as I understand it, color of law means that, so, like, if I were to uh, dress up as a police officer, for example, uh, say, keen police and, you know, uh, have a little badge and all of that, but they haven't sworn me in, uh, then I am impersonating a police officer, and that is color of law. Or, like, if I were to, you know, step up onto the court stage in a black robe when I haven't been recognized as a judge, uh, I think that would also, at any rate, uh, it's usually in terms of uh, law enforcement personnel. But the thing about this is who on earth is going to prosecute them Right. when we've reached the point that, like, as far as I can tell, there is absolutely, I mean, even if... Even if the very nature of government were not intensely fraudulent and and philosophically absurd, even if that weren't the case, 
as far as I can tell, even by their own rules, every single level of government does not follow their own procedures, does not follow these documents that supposedly give them power. Problem being, if it's all color of law, who in the heck is supposed to prosecute them for being color of law? Monkey? Well, I would suggest that the sheriffs, which are the uh, only law enforcement that I can find in the United States Constitution, uh, you could go to them and say, hey, hey, guess what? This guy has uh, done this, and there's actually a provision for that. Uh, can you go arrest these guys? And sure, he might just say, yeah, yeah, go pound sand. But uh, then again, he might want to get reelected. So uh, maybe he will look into it. Yeah, I agree with you, Monkey, that this thing exists and it should be recognized, but it isn't. And so that begs the question of why not? And if you explore that question uh, you know, to a great enough degree, you can only come to the conclusion that they don't care and they're not going to do anything about it. The main story tonight is something that I brought in from The Guardian, right? And this is the, the title of tonight's show. It contains this. Sentenced to life for stealing $14. Uh, this is a gentleman named David Colson was imprisoned in California under some tough-on-crime laws from the 1990s, uh, sort of a three-strikes kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we can get into that. But before we get to the story, we have a caller who wanted to uh, give his opinions on, I believe uh, he said, uh, and this is Jimmy from Florida, I believe he said on why a life sentence for stealing $14 might be uh, you know, warranted. So, Jimmy, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, hi, Captain. Uh, here's the problem with what you're dealing with. When he went out in the morning, he didn't say, I'm going to steal $14 from the next person I meet. No, honey. He said, I'm going to steal everything I can get from you. So he put a gun to his throat and took everything in his wallet. That man needs to be locked up for life. It's your turn, Captain. Well, so we haven't gotten into the article yet, uh, and so there was nothing about him being armed uh, or pointing a gun at anybody. Uh, The article indicates that he wandered into a garage on somebody else's property, obviously a property violation. So, you know, self-defense is, of course, warranted, uh, you know, in that particular instance, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. or at least according to the non-aggression principle. But he wandered into a garage. He found uh, like a coffee can or a jar with a a whole bunch of change in it. It was approximately $14 worth of change. Uh, He stole it. The uh, homeowner, uh, you know, tried to chase him down, eventually called the cops. He got arrested. But this was his third strike, according to California's tough on crime laws from the 90s. And so... Uh, yes, the gentleman suffered from mental illness and homelessness and, you know, a bunch of other things. He did steal $14, but because it was his third offense, uh, they gave him a mandatory minimum sentence. Uh, and they literally told him he was 35 years of age at the time of this occurrence. Uh, they literally told him that he wouldn't be eligible for release for at least 35 years. Okay. If he found $100 in that can, would he have left 86 and taken 14 It's your turn, Captain. Well, it is my turn. Thanks. Uh, So here's the thing about justice. Justice is supposed to be, uh, if somebody wrongs you, that you get made whole again and perhaps, you know, a little more on top for your suffering and, you know, that kind of a thing, depending on 
how heinous the crime was. Well, the idea being that that would be to make you whole, right? Like, uh, so in the in the circumstance, there's how much how much was stolen, right? But there's also the fact that hey, you aren't allowed into my garage, right? You violated our uh, our expectations as a society. You stepped outside the bounds of uh, of civilization, and I might feel less safe as a result of that in maybe even a permanent way. So you need to compensate me for making me feel unsafe by violating civilization, non-aggression, our basic agreements. So as I see it, uh, you know, putting your putting your more personalized circumstance. So guy is rooting around in captain's garage. Now, I would say at that exact moment, you have the right to end his life. However, the police have no right whatsoever. And at, uh, by the same token, okay, he has violated your space. You are the one that he needs to make it up to. So if we're going to if we're going to go through the process of making you whole, then it's you who gets to determine, okay, here's what would make me whole. And in a functional system where we actually had a market injustice so that they would they would have to compete for uh, for our business in providing justice, I think that what would be common in that circumstance is that you would have a judge that you would you know agreed to how it was selected, and the judge would say, okay, well, I want to make it in in this specific margin where it's uh, it's punitive enough to discourage the future behavior, but it's not okay. so onerous that it encourages you to get robbed again. Okay, um, if he he would have stolen everything he could get away with, that's not the point. He fourteen dollars isn't the issue. That man would have stolen a million dollars from me if he could have done it. You think he's gonna? Make change, take fourteen dollars, and give me eighty six dollars in well, change. If he well, let's let's zoom out for just a bit, Jimmy. Uh, according to your yeah. logic, then uh, everybody employed by the federal government, including the IRS and all the politicians, who take far more than fourteen dollars per day from everybody's paycheck without their consent. Uh, should be immediately locked up and, uh, you know, key thrown away and no longer be a part of society. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, I, I'm for it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your honesty. I want to go to Gwyneth calling from Australia. Gwyneth, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. How are you today? We're good. Thanks for calling. What's on your mind? Well, um, there's, there's a couple of things, Okay. I'll get to, I, I want to talk about my horse, but first of all, I want to, I, I, I listened to your show on archive from GCNlive.com. Okay. Okay. And um, I was you. listening to yesterday's show and you had a guy on there and he was a Marine. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. I think that one or both of you was on the show yesterday. Yes. There was a guy who was a Marine and he was saying about how wonderful the military was and how we would all be lost without it and how he protected us all and all the rest of it. And um, my mind just kind of flashed back because um, I've had a real uh, rough time over the entire course of my life with, um, you know, just not wanting my son to sons to be kidnapped by pedophile cartels sure. and sometimes having to flee for my life. Um, and this, I'm talking about the CPS, of course. Okay. And, um, you know, having to flee for my life with my sons just so that I could be their mum. And, you know, sometimes the, 
uh, law enforcement getting on my tail and, and pretty well near killing us. And I was just thinking that, and I was thinking, gee, that's um, kind of like using the uh, uh, police as an army against the populace. Absolutely. Where if you don't hand over your kids, then they will try and kill you. Yes. And uh, I, I got kind of angry at his level of blindness. Yes. You know, and oh my gosh, I wish these people could see. Okay. Um, Me too. I'm not going to yeah. mention that. I, I'm not going to. You know, you you, uh, you you can respond if you like, and then I'll get onto the horse thing. Well, it it is a fact that there used to be concern about, you know, in, we'll call them westernized countries, right, including Australia, uh, Europe, the United States, uh, these types of places. There used to be concern about uh, them becoming police states. Well, I can tell you the concern is over because mm-hmm. that is, in fact, what they have become. Uh, we do currently now live. We do currently <laughs> live both. That's mm-hmm. absolutely the truth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, so you are absolutely spot on that uh, the police forces have become so militarized that there's literally no difference between them and the military outside of maybe a couple of, you know, patches on their uniforms or some stripes on their on their neck or chest or some, you know, that type of a thing. So you're absolutely spot on. Uh, it has become militarized to a point where everybody in these you know westernized countries, including Australia, uh, live under a police state. All right, so Gwyneth, tell us about your horse. Yeah. Okay, um, I, I've, I've just finished working my horse for the day. Uh, she's, she is a whaler, which is an Australian breed of wild horse crossed with uh, American curly, which is a type of Mustang, mm-hmm. okay? And um, the whalers, I want, to, I want to go into a bit of a detail with what's happening with the whalers here in Australia. They are getting killed wholesale. They have talked to people in the Northern Territory that have whaler, wild horses on their ranches into getting into helicopters and shooting them uh. dead and not even getting their bodies. These horses, if, you care, if, if there's anybody out there in the, in, in the audience who cares so much about the military, this is Australia's very own war horse. Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government. There may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. We have uh, Michael in Pennsylvania. Michael, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, yes. My inquiry was I grew up in the area of the, era of the 90s with the three-strike rule. Yep. And I know the Guardian, so I know it's like, oh, man, he took $14 and he got life. 
what were the first two crimes? Because the odds are, especially back then, it was like, all right, attempted first-degree murder. We're going to go, all right, you didn't kill him, so we're going to give you a chance. Oh, you raped someone. All right, you got to do some time. Now, don't commit any more crimes. And he's like, all right, I'm going to this garage, and I'm just taking whatever I can get. And the guardian's like, look, he took $14. And everyone's like, oh, that poor guy got life. It was his third strike. Well, what were the first two? Hold on. So you think he was reformed as a murderer and rapist? No, my point is he wasn't. That's how he got the third strike. <laughs> so according <laughs> to the article... Money to talk someone into getting raped and then murdered. <laughs> right. Uh, like, I understand your concern. Yeah, and didn't report the first two crimes. And yes, you are correct. The Guardian, you know, does have a formula to, to their stories. Yes, they, they have an agenda, obviously. All people do. Uh, I can tell you that the article says... Uh, he was, he went to jail, f uh, for minor offenses in his twenties. Uh, both times, uh, he removed a window screen from a house for what they're deeming uh, an attempted break in. He did not enter okay. the homes, but he, and those were his two previous offenses. Uh, he but was, my, my inquiry is always back to, I agree with you guys. My dad's libertarian. I agree with the ideology. Sure. I also know what the body count would be. I live on farmland. We have no cops. If you call the cops, the only people that come are state troopers. There are no town cops anywhere nearby. Everyone here knows the rules. We watch over each other. Yeah. We don't have a lot of lights. My brother came from Vegas. He's like, man, it's so quiet. You don't have any crime? Nope. Because we live by, I mean, our body count was once high. They were all criminals. Crime is pretty much gone. <laughs> well, and that's how, you know, we like it here in New Hampshire, right? We have some yeah, of the I'm most... Uh, awesome gun laws on the planet where you don't need to get a permit for concealed carry. You don't yeah, need, you know, open do, carry is just welcomed yeah, and I like that. I love you guys. <laughs> it's, it's common. And so I'm with you. Like, I feel you on like, we're, hmm, the state still exists, but I think, you know, country Fair folk, minimum. country folk and like places like New Hampshire are probably the closest to a free society that I exists agree. within the United States. So. I agree. I mean, like I said, my brother was shocked. He's like, seriously, you guys have no lights? There's no traffic? There's no crime? No, no. We all hunt. They all know we own. <laughs> we all friends and neighbors here. We have no problems. <laughs> yeah, and so th this brings up actually a, a really important point in terms of justice. So if you are the person who has been violated, then it is up to you to, at least in part, to determine what it takes to remove that violation to bring things back to an even keel so i agree if you, but we're talking california where they want the state because you know their big state is so they let the yeah. state not once but twice and then a third time deal with it mm. i agree well, with you guys it well, should have been dealt with the first time properly and maybe it would not have happened again right well, I and I mean, like, agree. given your hypothetical situation, that would not be a problem of too harsh of sentencing, but too light. So if you yes. if you are the only ones providing justice, in or out of quotes, uh, and you let a rapist run around, you have failed us and put us at danger. Yes, Let's go to Rudy from Arizona. Rudy, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi. Good evening, guys. That uh, three strikes. And you're and you're in law. Uh, it's, it's terrible. I mean, it, 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 <laughs> that is a more accurate description. Three, Three strikes, strikes and, and you're, you're in. in. Yeah, yeah. It takes the judge's uh, humanity out of the equation. I mean, it was it, it, it was mandatory. You're the third one. You're in jail. You're in prison. Uh, I know a case of a guy who got caught with four pounds of weed. Mm -hmm. uh, he was driving it back. You know, he, 
disliberate and uh, felony. Did uh, four years uh, at, at he was 20. At 36, he was part of a motorcycle gang. That uh, the gang and their gang, another gang uh, got in a fight, and he had ended up getting uh, uh, with a deadly weapon because he had a knife. He had yeah. a fight. He got seven years on that. And then he was 58 years old. He was uh, a homeless in the street. He was basically was starving. He went into 7-Eleven and just ate a piece of pizza because he was hungry. Right. Starving. And uh, life in prison. Now, yeah, that's that's horrible. And also, I'd like to point out, you, you make some very good points. Uh, I'd also like to point out that in, in the case of the three strikes law, it absolves the judges from compassion. It absolves them from, uh, what's the word uh, that we yeah. tell cops they get to use? Uh, not not scre- uh, Liability? Li- no, uh, um, when, discretion. Ah, discretion. It absol- so the judges go, well, I got no choice. It's his third time. I have to give him this. Mm-hmm. I have to give him this sentence. The law says this is what I have to do. And the thing that gets me about this is, okay, how many times do people get charged with something and, I mean, it's just so terrifying to face the the possibility of being convicted of whatever it is you get charged with, that you take any plea bargain you can so that you don't yeah. have to face down the possibility of, you know, 40 years or whatever it is. Right. So, okay, well, you pled guilty to something you didn't even do. Well, yeah, careful, because yeah, if that happens too much, you will still serve decades in prison. And they, then they come at you, they threaten you, they say, you take it to trial, and we'll max you out. Yeah. Yeah, so, and, uh, and, and if you can't afford the defense, I mean, you're going to lose anyway. Right. Right? So if you don't have the money to defend yourself adequately, you're just going to lose. They're going to railroad you. And you're innocent. Yeah. I mean, uh, and also, uh, prisons are a money-making operation. Oh, right? yeah. It's definitely oh, a business. Exactly. People seem to laugh when I suggest that... Uh, uh, private agencies uh, building, owning, maintaining roads and, and things of that nature would be easier to implement than a cell phone plan. Because a cell phone plan is just that. It's a network of, of things of that, that your phone traffic travels over yeah. that are built by you know private agencies and private companies. And so you pay your cell phone company for you know your ability to get on those roads, right? The, the network, if you will, to get on those roads, use those roads, and that's what you pay your monthly fee for. And if you want to drive outside of your you know home area, why they have a roaming plan. They have agreements in place with other road providers, network providers. Mm-hmm. And so you could very well just be like, hey, I'm going to you know, plot my trip, how long to get from here to there by driving. They, yep, here you go. And you're all dialed in, set to go. No muss, no fuss. It's easy as like plugging a thing in on an app. Right? People laugh at that because they have this, I don't know, this cognitive dissonance that, that allows them to think that roads are so complicated that only government can administer them. Well, here's my theory Horse hockey. Matter. So what I think gives people this uh, this special zone of competence, if you will, is that roads are kind of the edge of our universe. So like each place that I go to, it's like, okay, here's the store. It's this building. It has an entrance and an exit. And like this is the place. And when I leave that place, where I go to is the road. And here's my home. And when I leave that place, where I go to is the road. And so on and so forth. So every single little pocket of reality is has as its as its final edge mm-hmm. 
the roads. Okay. Uh, so that's kind of like uh, the the edge of the forest, if you will, uh, psychologically speaking. So yeah. the the idea is okay, but who will manage the edge of our reality yeah. if we don't have this parental figure telling us what to do about it? Yeah. Uh, the way I figure it. Uh, a lot of people seem to think that something like uh, privatized roads uh, would be implemented and managed by, like, insurance companies, right? That seems like a natural marriage. You know, oh, you're already paying a, a fee per year or per month for your, your insurance as a, as a driver in your, you know, four-wheeled machine or two-wheeled machine, however many wheels your machine has. Uh, it seems natural for them to sort of pick up that type of business. I think it would be much easier for uh, cell phone and Internet providers to pick it up. Because they already manage some of the largest, most congested networks on planet Earth, and they do just fine, thank mm-hmm. you. They right? really do. Like, they would do a far superior job to anything any government has ever attempted to do concerning roads, ever. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh, yes. Uh, I, I just, I just want to say, um, I want to, I've heard that the yams are very good for diabetes. Yams, like a uh, sweet potato style, or I, I'm that's what it. That's what the yams are. I might be ignorant here. I don't know that there's a potato. difference between yams and sweet potatoes if they're the same thing. I think those are two different words for the same thing. Uh, although yeah. one of them might be a bigger category than the other, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm just so the, the question has always been like, I looked up yams on the internet, and and the, the question is, well, why? Well, what's in it? How does it work? That's the question. I mean, what's in the yam that's supposed to help diabetes? And one of the things that it does is um, it's, uh, it metabolizes uh, the the food, metabolizes the again burning up the sugars. Sure. That's one of the things that it does. And the second thing that it has is fibers. Fibers is somehow supposed to help with your sugar level. Oh, yeah. Fiber is actually like one of the most underrated things a person can eat with like a large health benefit. Uh, You know, whether it's yams or whether it's a a couple spoons full of like something like a Metamucil. I'm not sponsored by them in any way, but that's just a brand that pops into my head. You can go to any, you know, health food or drugstore and find fiber supplements you know, in the big tubs or even in the pill form. And fiber is supposed to be or supposed to have some of the most uh, beneficial uh, effects on a human being. Uh, Like studies have proven that most people don't get enough fiber in their diet. And so if you increase fiber in your diet, you immediately uh, increase uh, your longevity as a human being. Yeah, and then one of the – so that's another function of the fiber. And also it's got manganese – magnesium and the other um, nutrients uh, it's got a lot of vitamins and I, I forgot all the other stuff in it there's definitely stuff in the yam which supports um like uh diabetes in fact that the minerals if you get we, the whole thing about manganese and magnesium is that when your body gets the nutrients that it needs you don't have to eat excessive food, excessive donuts, more bowls of rice. That's kind of like what I'm thinking Yeah. when your body gets enough nutrients. But there's other things about the yam that I can't really recollect right now why why it helps. But those are the reasons. There's something in it that burns um, the sugar or metabolizes, that burns up the what you eat. That's, cool. So that's what's good about it. So, so yeah. So I... 
So yeah, having uh, right. having looked it up, uh, apparently it's just that uh, sweet potatoes often get called yams, uh, but uh, uh, yam has a dry, starchy flesh uh, that's usually pale, uh, whereas sweet potato is a moist flesh and varies in color. We've got Saeed calling from Maryland. Saeed, you're on Free Talk Live. So I just had a question about uh, this, uh, what you guys were talking about earlier with the guy with death row, $15. Or fourteen dollars, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't yeah. on death row. To to be clear, the the article is a bit sensationalized. Uh, they they say uh, he was sentenced to life. However, uh, they sentenced him to thirty five years at the age of thirty five. The average life expectancy of a human in the United States is like seventy four. So, I mean, that might as well be a life sentence at that point. Ah, uh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. But what's the question? Uh, yeah, so my question, I was just kind of curious what you guys thought about the kind of like the difference between SBF, because he's probably just going to get off uh, house arrest or something like that. Like probably very little jail time compared to the guy with, who's on. Uh, gonna oh, I don't right. expect he'll see jail time at all. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah. there are conspiracies that uh, point to, or conspiracy theories that point to uh, this guy and his exchange being planted. Uh, for the specific reason to discredit uh, cryptocurrencies, exchanges, to uh, you know call for government for more regulation. We've got to protect people from this thing ever happening to them ever again. And, I mean, things do look a little suspicious, in my opinion. There's a, a lot of things that point to, you know, some legitimacy to, the, to those theories. And until I see all the evidence, I you know, I'm, I'm unclear as to what the actual facts are. But I think you're certainly right. He's not going to see any jail time. Yeah, I mean, the, the the possibilities here range from essentially a false flag attack on crypto. Because here this guy is coming at, no, I'm an advocate of crypto. It just needs to be regulated is all. And wouldn't you know it, he Fs everyone over in this massive Ponzi scheme. And I mean, mm-hmm. so it ranges from from just a straight up setup to okay it's possible that this wasn't the plan and this guy is just i mean what kind of stupid do you have to be when you you have become a major global institution in finance you're making billions of dollars off of just the fees to trade this stuff and that's not enough instead you have to take all of this money that has been put on your exchange and start gambling it mhm yeah, so I was uh, wondering, uh, how would you guys like? Because uh, you guys were having conversation earlier about punishment and how you go ahead and, uh, you know, uh, what would you, you know, what would your punishment be in your methodology? What would your punishment be with like SPF versus somebody who went ahead and, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, was breaking and entering into somebody's house and got fifteen bucks? Like, how how would you guys like uh, go ahead and divvy out punishment for those two different things? But you know, similar stuff either way, right? So I'm curious. Well, for me, my preference, like if we're speaking in a hypothetical world, uh, my preference would be to employ some sort of an agency to handle these things for me. Uh, And if they did not handle these things for me to my satisfaction, I would be free to find another agency that would for whatever fee we found acceptable uh, and and that sort of a thing. That would be, you know, hypothetically speaking, uh, my version of how those things would get handled. This was just an absolute cluster F because it was a perfect storm of uh, the LBRY uh, library case had just gotten uh, decided against in favor of the SEC. 
while at the same time there was a very important midterm election, which uh, I don't think either side completely expected the other side to accept the results. I largely ignored the selection, as I normally do. Uh, I am really, really uh, upset that I cannot opt out of all of the vicious advertisements. In fact, of all the advertisements that I was subjected to for the selection this year, uh, I found none of them to be like about what this person stood for. Mm-hmm. Instead, they were all about the other guy and how they're awful. Well, this guy has bad breath. You know, so-and-so running for governor farts a lot in public or whatever it is, right? It's some, you know, like just insulting rip on other people. And like, this should not be uh, what leaders do. Uh, If you think that these politicians are leaders, I'm talking to the audience, of course, not you specifically, Peakless Mountaineer. If you think that politicians are leaders and they're leading us anywhere good, you're wrong. You're just straight wrong. None of them are leading us anywhere. Where the heck are we going anyway that we need to be led to? I don't know. I'm perfectly capable of leading myself wherever the heck it is I decide I need to go. I'm perfectly capable of governing myself wherever it is I go and however it is I go about doing it. And I am not free to do so. Well, I will give some pushback on that. They are absolutely leading people, and they will be leaders as long as people follow them. They might be misleading people. As far as where they're leading them, oh, largely off a cliff, because there's a meat grinder at the bottom, and they make money off the sausage. Like, that's that's what this is. People get led because they want to be led, and they do not care where they are being led. And you're absolutely right about the attack ads, and this is, weirdly enough, why I... why I think more people should be involved, especially in New Hampshire and libertarians in particular, in the political process, is because that kind of attack only works when you only have two options. When your option is Coke or Pepsi, you can say, Coke is terrible, Pepsi is awful. When your options are Coke, Pepsi, and water, then it doesn't work. Because if you have all these uh, all these messages that are attacking Coke and attacking Pepsi then people will pick water. That's a good point. That's valid. I I do, and I've opined about this before on air, but I do find it, uh, I struggle to understand why humanity suffers from uh, the curse of, of the duo, right? And this is, no matter what, like there's thousands of kinds of carbonated beverages, mm-hmm. call it soda, call it pop, call it whatever you want. Coke and Pepsi are, are the big two. Now, there's, you know, all sorts of beverages made by those two, but then there's also uh, companies that make other beverages, uh, RC Cola still around, uh, Shasta, right? These are, and some of these might be bottled by one of these other companies, but there are other companies other than Coke and Pepsi. But for whatever reason, humanity likes to reduce everything down to two, and I can't for the life of me figure out why. They don't do it in all parts of their lives. Mm. For example, I can go to, uh, you know, the convenience store, and if I want a chocolate bar... There's like a thousand of them just right in front of me at any <laughs> given point. I got a little, well, how am I ever going to choose here? It might be a little little overwhelming for somebody who just wants a chocolate. But, but you've got your favorite one that you prefer, right? But for whatever reason, that's fine. But when it comes to, you know, I don't know, bossing around your fellow man, right? <laughs> People like got to choose from one of the big two. Well, I'll tell you two different reasons for this that are very closely related. 
So one of these reasons is just the nature of the voting system that we have. Uh, Since we have what is called a first-past-the-post voting system, one person gets one vote, and there's no, like, ranked choice or anything like that, then it doesn't matter what you want. It matters what you don't want. And if I don't want X more than I don't want Y, then I will vote Y because it'll be the most likely outcome to not get X. So, for example, let's say that you are running an oil company and you want to make absolutely dead certain that there will never be, say, a nuclear option in terms of energy generation. Okay, well, you have to make sure that all the possible choices have been corrupted. So you have to make sure that whoever someone could possibly vote for that could realistically win is already on your side, already in your pocket. Now, if you have to buy two parties, that's one thing. Mm. If you have to buy three parties, that's way more expensive, especially if one of those parties has any kind of principles. And if you start getting into four parties that you have to buy, it's just way more difficult. The logistics are terrible for that. So people might end up having a real choice out of the petrodollar uh, ogolopoly that we've been experiencing our entire lives. Oligopoly? Yes. Okay. Ogolopoly sounds a lot like, you know, me staring at... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Oligopoly. Sorry. Ogolopoly. I have a monopoly on ogling. (laughs) I am the only one allowed to ogle. My leers will lead the country. (laughs) I'm sorry, uh... Jethro Tull comes to mind that uh, Aqualung is the song of theirs that starts out sitting on a park bench, eyeing little girls with bad intent. And like, I've listened to that song a whole bunch of times and I never really thought much about it until I, a couple of years ago. I'm like, that is a really creepy lyric. That is a super creepy lyric. Yes, it is. I'm like, well, I okay. Like, you know, thanks, Jethro Tull, for, you know, putting out this classic rock and roll song that, you know, I've heard for ages and ages, never really paid much attention to, and then just and now slip realized, a little pedophilia in there. Yeah, and now just realize that you're creepy lyrics, you know. Anyway, I don't like Jethro Tull all that much anyway. Uh, they, they, of course, won... Uh, what do you call it? A Grammy Award. The first time uh, there was ever a Grammy Award for heavy metal, Jethro Tull won. And you're thinking to yourself, Jethro Tull isn't heavy metal. Of course not. Nobody in their right mind thinks Jethro Tull is heavy metal. Correct. Like, you know, other nominees included Metallica. <laughs> Which, who, like, metal I mean, is right there in the name. Like, and arguably, at least their first three albums were some of the most metal albums ever to grace mankind, right? So, like, but for whatever reason. Speaking of corruption. Yeah. Now the, the award goes to Jethro Tull. So I stopped watching the Grammys at that point. I'm like, ah, you know what? This is all crap. Many of you uh, out there might be gamers. You might have heard of something called the Oculus Rift, right? So this is a virtual reality uh, headset gaming system. Uh, you put this uh, basically a small television real super close to your face with like some, you know, what looks like a scuba diving uh, rubber around it to keep it, you know, suctioned to your skull. And uh, you go about playing your video games. Well, the headline, the Oculus founder who was later fired by Facebook created a virtual reality headset that can kill people in real life if they die in a game. Wow. 
You know, that's that's always something they put into the movies. If you die in blah, then you die in real life. You know, whether it's uh, Inception or The Matrix or whatever. And somebody decided, that sounds great! So, you're probably wondering, like I was when I read this, uh, I had all sorts of questions. I'm like, wait, how? What? Come on. I, like, there's a catch here somehow. There's some sort of, well, and it's really far more simple uh, than the article alludes to, but... Uh, the the, um, the key points here are Palmer Lucky, yes, that's his name, L-U-C-K-E-Y, so it might be Luke or something, I don't know. Palmer Lucky, who created Meta's Oculus, created a VR headset that kills users in real life if they die in a video game. The idea of trying your, uh, the idea of tying your real life into your virtual avatar has always fascinated me. That's a quote from him. He, he wrote it himself. Uh, he also sold Oculus the backbone of Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg's metaverse to Facebook in 2014 for $2 billion. It's a lot of change. So you know that question about, hey, if you had a billion dollars, uh, you would have to work it. What would you spend your time doing? And ultimately, that's supposed to be what your career is. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this guy's career would be killing, killing you with killing uh, video, video gamers. Gamer. Yes. I will say you will take that game a lot serious a lot more seriously than any other and i mean okay i have moaned and complained about how all modern video games are are way less serious than the ones i grew up with because you have save points right yep and like no matter how you screw up in this game you can just go back to this save point so it's fine right Instead of only having like three lives and then the game's over, right? right? Yeah, you've got save points, and yeah. Right. Well, here's one way to solve that. <laughs> <laughs> At no point in this game can you save. Yeah. So I, I don't know that for a so fact. So this but. is uh, this is straight out of Rick and Morty. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, like the the video game that they played just has a little thing that like comes out, squeezes your head. So apparently he outlined all of this in a blog post. Now, I'm not going to read the blog post. You can go find it uh, over at Palmer Lucky. That's L-U-C-K-E-Y dot com. Uh, you can read it. And they have a picture of like uh, an Oculus headset. And there's like a medieval looking sword like stage right next to it just for a visual. But uh, he wrote that he had modified a virtual reality headset to explode when the wearer loses in a video game, killing the user in real life. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.